The Knees and Mother Brown West Ham podcast is brought to you by aasport.com forward slash West Ham. They're doing an offer whereby you place a bet and you get triple the odds on your first one. And you could be rich like Tom Howell, who put who triple your odds on Dimitri Payet to score and West uh, and to win at Crystal Palace. He put a tenner on one two hundred and eighty pound. Whoa. And then he put a love that man, a little French flag emoji, three hammers, hashtag mustard. So if you want to live life like Tom Howell, just go on to aasport.com forward slash West Ham and place your first bet for triple your odds. You slipped out by Costa. Driven in! Oh, would you believe it? West Ham United have taken the lead. Zarate with an absolute belter from the edge of the penalty area. Uh, here's a strong challenge by Matic, who's already been cautioned. The West Ham fans and the old chicken run on the far side went him off. Matic sent off. Chelsea's day goes from bad to worse. Chelsea coaching staff still protesting. Not Mourinho. Serena Lara, his assistant, has been sent off. After a sensational half-time interval here, Jose Mourinho has been sent to the stands. Reportedly, he was invited into referee John Moss's dressing room and then dismissed from the touchline. Zuma's up from the back, and Terry, it's aimed at Zuma at the far stick. It'll drop here to Kaya, 1-1! Extraordinary! Bresswell's cross high, made for Carroll, and he's taken it! That's why they brought him on! And Andy Carroll's long wait for a goal comes to an end. Textbook centre forward finish. West Ham United 2, Chelsea 1. Don't tell my heart, my aching, breaky heart. I just don't think it understand. And if you tell my heart, my aching, breaky heart, he might blow up and kill his man. Hello and welcome to the Knees of Other Brown West Ham podcast. Who thought we would ever start an episode with achy, breaky heart? James. I did, actually. I'm a, it's, my, it's my theme tune. No, uh, I didn't, but we're flying high. We're flying high. Dimitri Payet. Yeah. I can't get that song literally out of my head. And it now, just drives me mad. Hopefully, Achy Breaky Heart will also be in the in the uh, minds of all our listeners. Yep. Here, to help, here to help us celebrate that amazing win over Chelsea, we've got a man who made 141 league appearances over six years with 11 goals. Runner-up Hammer of the Year 1990 as well. The big one. Just Slater. Yeah, hello guys, how you doing? All Welcome. Right, for coming in. Yeah. Mate, what a time to be a West Ham fan. Oh, amazing, isn't it, eh? We're, we're, we're flying. In third in the league at the minute. Um, yep. Obviously, Slavin Bilic come in and brought these new attacking, creative players, exciting. God, dear. Wins at, you know, Liverpool, Arsenal, City, Chelsea at home. My goodness. Brilliant. Oh, my goodness. Oh, God. Brilliant. We can't say what time to be alive anymore because Drake's stolen it. <laughs> yeah. So, amazing scenes. Yeah, amazing Fantastic. scenes. Incredible scenes. And you were on the pitch at half-time as I well, then? I was, then. yeah. I was lucky um, enough to be invited back as a guest, but I was working, so <laughs> um, I was doing my um, ambassador role in lounges, and then um, at half-time they asked me if I wanted to come down and uh, be introduced to the crowd about one of the performances that um, 
was supposed to be one of the better nights Upton Park when we beat Everton when I had a reasonable good game and yeah. you scored the second goal I scored the second goal it was a scuffed goal and that was the only way that I could beat Neville Southampton <laughs> was the Everton goalkeeper then he was fantastic but it was scuffed and it went in the corner had I hit it brilliantly he would have saved it and then the next match was a Keith Hackett match wasn't oh, it? God, we talk about that in a minute well, yeah don't blow the gold <laughs> we need to keep people listening to this podcast yep. um Feedback from last week's episode because obviously oh, we had May Everton. Yeah, we had Matt Everton. Uh, so Bully Hammer said, "Fantastic!" Uh, no, he didn't. <laughs> he said, "Fascinating podcast. Horrible reliving that cup final on my fiftieth birthday, but so interesting hearing Matty's memories, especially of pards and curbs." Wasn't a fan of curbs, was he? So Mascherano was blinded in training. Even players couldn't figure out why he wasn't playing. Somebody really has to interrogate Pardew about that one day. We would love Pardew on here. <laughs> Big George replied about Mascherano. He wasn't playing because in the first couple of Premier League games, he was terrible. He got taken apart at Man City. He couldn't cope with a pace of English football and directly cost us goals. Oh. Uh, and then Hong Kong Hammer said, the last two guests of Everton and Pierce have been brilliant. Both came across as genuinely caring about the club still to this day. And really interesting to hear about their playing time. Will be all over Matty's book for sure. There's also some uh, someone said thanks for the apology about the dive. That's the main thing that people annoy yeah. about the dive against Stoke. But he yeah. made the point he wanted to get to an FA Cup final. Yeah. And part of me thinks, well, I might do the same. <laughs> uh, Stuart, fond memories of Matt Everton? Yeah, I think he did quite well. Um, obviously, why players down at West Ham? If you can beat yeah. people and you're exciting, I mean, obviously you got a crowd on the bat. And um, yeah, I think Matty did that at times. That's yeah. why I always remember fondly about your playing days. You could beat people. It was so exciting. Yeah, I mean, initially, uh, when <laughs> I was there, I was a forward player. I've, yeah. I grew up uh, under Tony Carr, did the academy scene or schoolboy scene, and I was a centre forward. Um, and then, I think it was the uh, the old famous Oldham game, where it was the replay. We got beat six nil in the in the uh, six nil in the first one. The massacre on Valentine's. It was a nightmare, <laughs> absolute. But the second leg, Billy Bonds had, um, said we've got to go for it. So he played me in behind the front two, and we were brilliant that day. I mean, we virtually we we won three nil when we hit the crossbar at the post. But it was a one-off game. Two centre forwards scored. I had a good game, but the next game was a league game and he couldn't do that format again so he said you know fantastic can you just play a little bit wider drift a little bit wider but come in so I said oh, okay and I thought you know he said I did reasonably well and I stayed wide ever since that game and I didn't really enjoy playing wide mm. yeah we'll get into the get into the detail of your career a bit later especially on especially that Oldham game that Oldham game we're going <laughs> to no, dedicate games. some serious time to it <laughs> <laughs> uh, was that it for feedback yes that's it for feedback Excellent. All right, well, let's just talk about Chelsea. Okay, but what about, do you want to talk about best places you've listened? We could do that right now. Okay, let's do it now. And I want to mention the blogging awards because I want to get people to vote for us. Okay. So let's get through. Do you do place, Why don't best you mention places? the blogging okay, awards? Okay, so first. we're up for an award uh, in Manchester in a few weeks. Um, it's the Football Blogging Awards. Uh, it's We're up for best podcast and best forum. Okay, KMB's up for best forum. And you can vote for us. Uh, and Chris will come round to your house and do whatever <laughs> needs to be done to get that vote. Uh, it's www.footballbloggingawards.co.uk. Uh, or you can tweet, I'm voting in at the FBAs for come.com as the best football podcast or the best forum. I'm going to tweet a link when this goes up tomorrow. You just need to click on it and uh, tweet that link. Mm. And 
uh, get us that award. Let's bring that silverware home. Yeah, I mean, we, we've decided in the last 24 hours that we will be attending the award ceremony. So I can't tell you how important it is you vote because we don't want to be sat there while the, the Dennis Burkamp podcast goes up there. The Dennis Burkamp podcast. We don't want to sit there with these other West, these other teams. Go on, you're a West Ham fan. Have some pride. Yeah, so if we ask, us. we ask one thing of you to vote for us, go on the website yeah. or, or tweet. It's really, really appreciated. Yeah. Uh, the KUMB ground's been running for a long time and all those moderators, they deserve it as well. Uh, and hopefully you guys think we do so please vote for us it'll yeah, be much I mean, appreciated please <laughs> um, lastly uh, in terms of feedback last week we yep. created a new section of the podcast where we're going to going to rate all the different places you will listen to this podcast to and let's begin that segment now Stuart would you like to join in here yeah um, okay so we'll start off with what have we got here okay so Manchester Piccadilly Station Gary S there Average. Average. I mean, that's not... Dean, Dean Cross in yeah. the car park. <laughs> yeah, Dean Cross in the car park there. Oh, we had uh, Nick Maddox, Margaret River, Western Australia. Oh, that looks nice. He's got a beautiful kind of beach scene there. And there's a nice little the rolling tide coming in. Yeah, here's my issue with some of these guys. is that There's no proof they are there. They well, could have just got them off Google Images. <laughs> 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 I want to see doesn't... some part of you in shot. Yeah. yeah. So we've got Casey Watson here, who's uh, viewing from his bunk in the tour bus as he listens to uh, the KB, KMB pod somewhere in France. There, Stuart. Look at that. The old yeah, firm yeah, casuals. Yeah, that looks all right. I like that. That's yeah, a, a yeah. proper rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. A bunk. Yeah. Yeah. A dog in car park. Yeah. The tour bus is intriguing. What was the band? Casey Watson, can you tell us what the no, band it's on the, was? It's, I think it's the old, oh, the old, old firm, firm casuals. casuals. Yeah. Really? They've yeah. got a tour bus? Yeah. That big? Yeah. Bloody hell. And West Ham fans. Yeah. We, we had Kevin Lewis, who, who he said he was on a beach somewhere in Turkey, but the shot is just him. No, he, t- I re- he tweeted yeah. another picture because I questioned it of him on yeah. the beach. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, is that a real picture? It, yeah. It could be anywhere. Now we had one from Rob McTaggart. He's been listening while what sandwiched up on the, against the C2C rail toilet. We had a few of these there, Stuart. <laughs> just literally a toilet and a bit of a bike oh, and a wicker basket attached to the front of a bike there. What's in the wicker basket? Yes. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are you hiding, Rob? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nice one here. Samuel Pappy, 150 kilometres northeast of Songhier over the Gulf of, Gulf of Thailand there. That's a nice bit of wing there. Yeah. A bit of the wing action there, a bit of sky. Set Sean Johnson, listen to the pod in San Diego Bay, California. I mean, that's rubbing it in. That is nice, yeah, isn't nice it? Place, I think we've got yeah. an early leader there. Yeah. I'm giving it to I'm giving well, it to Sean Johnson. What about that guy in the forest? Here we go. He's up next. Sean, small bean regarders listening to the pod in this garden in the small town of Bergheim. Bergheim? In but, Sweden, there's a nice little forest scene oh, there. That is lovely. Bit that of, is remote, isn't it? Yeah. That looks I want the guy who listens on the Somalian oil rig to yeah. send a picture. <laughs> is that while they're under attack. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Wentworth from Boston, Massachusetts. There, he's just he's what he just sent us a shot of his trousers around his ankles uh, on the toilet. <laughs> you um, can yeah. look all these up if you uh, put in yeah. hashtag Cumpod. Go on Twitter yeah. hashtag um, KUMB. I questioned that toilet shot to prove it was him, and he did take another picture out about. I thought that was Dixie. No, it's not Julian Dix. It's Steve Cox listening to. The SL pod? Who was the SL pod? Can't remember. Mark, uh, marking pitch four at Roxton FC Sunday. Early early start there. Impressive. Um, we'll pick out the last few favourites. Jay Can, listening on his sunbed in, in not-so-sunny Cancun. Mm. Still and, looks uh, all right. Uh, yeah. Go to the uh, mascot. 
Oh, Ecuador's good. Ecuador. That's John Selby in Ecuador. John Selby in Ecuador. Mm. I mean, just the metropolis there, a nice little hanging, hanging basket. basket. <laughs> That's what I like. The mise en scene. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ofberg, flying between Vienna and Copenhagen. Nice little sky shot. Troy Jones Maldives. and the Maldives. Oh, Look at that. He's wearing a black shirt in Maldives. The man. The, the West Ham shirt in the Maldives. <laughs> He's burning up. Look at his face all screwed up there. Uh, yeah, West in Australia. Whole sea on Twitter. Uh, just there in, Aust- in Australia at the beach. Just, you know, oh. they're not allowed to leave the car until the cane be put oh, finished. got the guy who's a mascot. I'm going to have to find him. Yeah. He's my favourite. There's one more apparently. He's like a crawly mascot. mascot. Well, we're not find him. Well, we've got time. Start talking about Chelsea. (laughs) (laughs) We've got time. You can view all those pictures using the hashtag KUV Pod. Submit your best ones. We're going to do this feature for two more weeks, and then you're going to win a prize. Uh, We don't know what that prize is yet because Graham, the editor, is still digging around his loft to find a a suitable prize (laughs) for your efforts. We keep them coming in. Hashtag KUV Pod. Right. Chelsea. I want to talk about Chelsea, but I just want to find this well, one. Here we go. Christopher yeah. Diab Blythe. He's listening to Pod whilst getting suited up as Crawley Town's mascot, Reggie the Red. That's pretty <laughs> impressive. Look, Just there he is. That, I mean, that is yeah. a rival mascot. Fantastic. He's listening to the Pod while dressing up as a rival mascot. Look at those legs. How does he get those legs on? <laughs> But that's quite good. I like that. Well done, Chris. Share your pictures. Where you listen to the pod, hashtag KUMB pod. And in fact, here's some other ways you can get in contact with the show. Get in touch with the show. Email us at podcast at KUMB.com. Join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag KUMB pod. Or why not follow us? Chris is at CJ Skull with a C. James is at Longers One. And Graham, editor of KUMB, is at KUMB.com. If you're on Facebook, be sure to join the KUMB group for all the latest news and gossip. There's also the KUMB forum for all kinds of chatter. Simply go to KUMB.com and click forum. Finally, join the KUMB podcast mailing list. Click this podcast link on KUMB.com and sign up for exclusive content from the studio. And be the first to know about upcoming live shows. Come on, you irons. Lovely. All right. Let's begin by talking about Chelsea. What a game, Stuart. I mean, just the frenetic atmosphere. Chelsea meltdown, us playing great stuff. What a day. Well, initially when we gone to Upton Park, you know, the away form has been brilliant, but the four games that we played at home has been, you know, what are we going to get this today against yep. Chelsea? And then, obviously, to come out and to play like we did and to oh, dominate, play with passion, play with, you know, the one-twos oh, and the fans getting behind us. Oh, it's a great time. Absolutely amazing time. I mean, when was the last time we beat Chelsea at home? Oh. I don't know, as I said. Well, James, you were saying that's the first victory over Mourinho. Yes, yeah. our first victory. Crazy. We usually get our asses hands handed <laughs> to us by him. But it was a joy. I mean, what a joy. Yeah. Other than some anxiety in the second half... Uh, it was a dream. It could not have yeah. gone better. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. You know, the Andy Carroll scoring the winner was a dream for all of oh. us, wasn't it? That's what every every week, actually, when he's come on, we're like, wouldn't it be great if he got the winner? Yeah. Yeah. And to actually get the winner, that ball hung in the air for so long, yeah. and he powered it at home. That's how classy he can be. I love him. Yeah, we should say as well, Andy Carroll celebrated that goal in front of us, yeah. and viewers of Swedish television got in touch to say that they spotted us on camera. Celebrating. Oh. Celebrating. Celebrating. Oh. Wow, there you go. It's big in Sweden. So big in we're moving out. And Bergen, Sweden. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But a place for Carol, I mean, obviously, his uh, form in and out really at the minute and the injuries. I mean, you can't not be an injured. I mean, I was injured quite a bit in my career, and um, to come back and have that character and still, you know, put in a performance like that when needed, and mm. um, you know, 
obviously you've got to look at Bilic, you know, changing it around a little bit and obviously going when they've gone down 10 men and putting him on and, you know, great, fantastic. Knows what he's doing, doesn't mm. he, at the minute. Um, yeah. Word on Zarate, I mean, what a finish for the oh, opener. Oh, my goodness. Uh, he's a West Ham player. I said it many, many times that we need some West Ham players. I mean, big Sam Allardyce done a fantastic job for us to get us out of the division and then to stabilise us. But there were still elements there that you... You know, you need some West Ham players there. And now you look at them. You look at Zerati, you look at Lanzini, and you look at Payet. You've got three players, plus Sacco, Valencia, pacing a team, people that can hurt teams now. You know, not just one or two players. You've got players that can do it all over the pitch now. Fantastic. Mm. What a day, James. How far can this squad go? Wow. It's a year, it's all pretty much a year. It came on your Facebook, didn't it? Like I said, yeah. I can't ever see us losing again. You said that. <laughs> you said that. And then, and, then, and then what? You said it was and a then, year ago on Sunday. You said, I can't see us ever losing again, 24 yeah. hours after the Chelsea result. <laughs> so, <laughs> I remember we beat, Man, we beat City, didn't we, last year? Yeah. They, they, I think they were the champions at the time. And, it was uh, glorious. And oh. it's Have we seen Chelsea. this? Do you feel like we're, this is different to last year? I think so. Um, <clears throat> as you know, we got players that can hurt teams. So even if you're under the cosh, uh, you've got a good shape about it. It seems like we've got a good shape about it. Um, we've got people that we've got energy. You got tacklers. You got winners. You got creators. You've got a better balance in the team this year. Whereas I think we were a bit stereotype. You know, where where the goals, where the creativity is going to come the last couple of years, two or three years. Whereas now it can come from all parts. Yeah, everyone's mm. scoring. All parts. Like everyone's yeah. scoring. Yep. Mm. So, so we, what we're talking about loads was the squad depth as well. So we had no Winston, no yep. Moses, yep. no Valencia. Ogbonna was on the bench. Orian comes on, uh, mm. and yep. and I actually forgot when I was writing this earlier. No song. No song. No. <laughs> We've got no songs. Song. Apparently, he's back against Everton. Yeah. In no two song. weeks. I mean, <sighs> is he going to get? A, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> what? I mean, shoot. Where does? I mean, where? What does all that fit? How does? How do you manage that, a squad? That's a We've great, got a good squad. That is a great um, lesson for anybody. It's down to um, Slaven now and, and his staff to, to manage it. Um, great players there. You know, Victor Moses, I think, has done a fantastic as well mm, since he's yeah. been in. Um, but sometimes you think, oh, you know, these boys have done really, really well. They're, they've got the jersey at the minute. Yeah. Obviously, it's them, theirs to lose. Mm. So if they keep putting in performances like that, these boys might have to be a bit patient. I mean, there is a, a rotation element to it at the minute, but... Uh, when we used to play, you used to play 50, 60 games a season. These guys are playing 38 plus a few cup games and they want to play week in, week out. And mm. that's where you get the consistency and the continuity in how players play. You get to understand. It's fantastic for the club. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant problems. It's great and they see, they seem so confident. That's what I love about it. They all come out. What I liked actually was instead we don't do a pre-match huddle we do pre-match cuddles. Everyone, <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. went around having a cuddle. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was really heartwarming. Yeah. It was, it was like, like, every player there, Payet yeah. was going out to everyone, Tompkins was going out to everyone, Kuyate, they all seemed to really get on. It's a camaraderie, like the, isn't it? The yes. pictures, them all tweeting afterwards, and it seems like a really good spirit in that team. Yeah. And it's really exciting. I mean, Kuyate, I oh, absolutely Kuyate. love. I mean, that's what a player. That's where we're talking about energy, pace, athleticism need in the modern game but just mm. picking the pockets of Chelsea yeah. every time they got a ball he just yeah. popped in and took it off I mean yeah. amazing mm. yeah. and, and it, with a smile and the other thing I love about him is the way he whips up the crowd you see him yeah. going to the Bobby Moore low, you know 12 minutes to go or something. He, was, yeah. he was going come on yeah, yeah. I love that the shape the shape looks good and when we're talking about winning winning games breeds confidence and you know you can do that I mean <laughs> I was there for the Bournemouth game 
uh, first 20 minutes yeah. and we oh my goodness this fans sort of yeah. and it was you know I was a fan and I'm thinking my goodness look at this and you could see a little bit of confidence draining the boys and you think where's this going to go but mm. yeah. fortunately for us we've turned it around but fortunately because you know, post Bournemouth we were and that is the first time in the years ball. I've come out going, I, I know. think we're going to get relegated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the funny thing about that game is you really did have fear. Like, you had the fear. We were in yeah. the black, we went for a drink in the black line in Plasto afterwards. And uh, I, it was the first time I, you really yeah. had the fear in your eyes off that Bournemouth game. I couldn't game. see it. I couldn't yeah. see us getting out because it was so bad. It was. Yeah. Brilliant. But a couple Please of signings, two or yeah. three signings. A, a bit more time with them on the um, training field. Yeah. I, mean, I think he's got that aura. Slavin Billich's got an aura where when he comes out onto the training ground, like John Law, I'm sure Sam had it as well, but it goes up, the intensity of the training, and it goes up. Oh, is Slavin out here watching? And oh, yeah. is he there? It just goes up and another notch. Yeah. Um, we should mention, I know there's the usual suspects who get mentioned up high and Kiate, but we should mention James Collins who I thought had an absolute stormer. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was worried that Winston wasn't playing, but I thought Collins was outstanding. Yeah. Hmm. He steps up when he, when he's needed, and he was brilliant. I mean, you just got to follow. I, I followed him for about five minutes on Saturday. Obviously, I was in the Bobby Moore Greenwood um, Lounge, and I watched him for five minutes, and you look at the information, the, the knowledge. Do I press? Do I drop off? Do I cover? You know, the decisions that he has to make. I mean, the back of players. That, I mean, then that goes unnoticed because we all tend to follow the ball and see what people mm-hmm. do on the ball and like you said about Payet and uh, Zarate and all the forward players they get all the plaudits but you look at the defensive side of people and do they push the decisions that they have to make to make the correct ones that goes amiss like I said fantastic he did a great job in Tompkins at the weekend brilliant um, and I guess there's not that much more to speak about, but we should speak about that wonderful five minutes of farce where um, they're sending off, where everything was just, as a, as a fan, that is so funny and exciting to watch where everything just goes a bit bonkers. <laughs> like you couldn't quite work out what's going on. There's a great, yeah. he got, he was going to, he wasn't sent off and he got sent off and then uh, the ref went over to the uh, assistant manager he got a yellow card and something else happened it was just a brilliant few moments where it's like what's going on this is wonderful I was in the tunnel at the time because obviously I was getting presented at half time so I went down there five minutes before and I was actually in the tunnel when Matic came off straight away and I'm thinking oh my goodness you know you could see the sweat the and I'm thinking that was the first time I thought I want to be out there I took all my career for granted and then a minute later the assistant and he's shouting and screaming. And he, and he, I don't know what that Italian, I think. He came, comes up. Amazing. And then, obviously, the, the, my mate who's the head of security comes up with Mourinho and whispers in his ear, you're going to come upstairs. And I saw it first hand. It was like, what's going on? And what was Mourinho's face as he went down there? He was quite... Pl- I think he had his dealing with a ref right down at the bottom of the tunnel but right. when he's coming up I think he knew what was happening and obviously the security guy's going I'm going to have to take you upstairs you're going to have to watch it from there and he was quite calm at the time right. I, mean, I must say um, obviously I know it's a West Ham but Mourinho before the game he was um, in disco it was the warm up and he was talking to the ball ball um, the mascots West Ham mascots oh, was he? and one of the mascots there was a dozen of them was going, we're going to beat you, we're going to beat you. And Marino's going, oh, okay, okay, cool. <laughs> he's gone up to um, see, obviously, Chelsea warm up, and then he's come back down, and he's gone, which one of you guys has said, we're going to beat you, we're going to beat you? And one of the boys puts his hand up, it was me, it was me, we're going to beat you, we're going to beat <laughs> you. He, gets on. he said, right. He said, I'll have a little bet with you. He said, if we win, 
I have your shirt. If you win, I'll get you a signed shirt from Chelsea. And the fella was like, oh, <laughs> whether that happened after my <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's where he was in a press seen. conference. It remains to be seen. Get the shirt but, signed. You know, the, these things, you know, yeah. it's brilliant, you know, for a West Ham mm, fan yeah. and all that, giving him all that sort of stuff. And yeah. he can have a little bit of banter before yeah. the game. And that picture was brilliant of him uh, stood up in the director's <laughs> box mean, at the back. That yeah. picture of him stood up at the yeah, back yeah, is pretty, yeah, it's funny. Isn't yeah, it? it's see what Dan, Did you see what Danny Dyer did? Yes. He walked past Jose Mourinho and, with, and did, took a video going, oh, mate, like, <laughs> <laughs> past him. Really? <laughs> yeah, winding it, yeah, winding it up. But what day? Brilliant. Um, right. We should talk about your career, Stuart. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we need to wind the clock right back to uh, October 1987 in the charts at the time. You win again, Bee Gees. <laughs> uh, Stuart, is that one of the most kind of underrated tunes? <laughs> you win again. I don't think we were winning at that time. Was, that's why I was on the bench. And then, yeah, win again. We were, yeah, it was one of the Bee Gees. Yeah, I quite like that. I like that tune. Uh, it's your first match. You were 16, right? Did you play? 17, 17, 17 when, yeah, you, when, yeah. you, when you came on. Yeah, I came on. Yeah, I was a, I was a sub and I can remember 10 minutes um, and warming up, my legs were like jelly. I'm thinking, my goodness, what am I doing? This is what I've dreamt that this work for. Yeah. But 17 years of age, the crowd, oh, just it was a bit of a blur. Right. Um, but yeah. It was and was it for Ray Stewart? I think, um, yeah, it was, Darby, yeah. I mean, yeah, like Tony Cotty was playing and all, yeah, and it was after the 85 side, so there was still a lot of good players in that 85, that was 87. Uh, but I watched as Apprentice, we were watching them week in, week out, and they were yeah. so close to winning. And to actually watch them and then play with them, it, I think that got me, you know, I was in awe of them a little bit yeah. at the time. Mm. It's, a, it's a funny period when you come into the team, because obviously at 85-86, the heralded team that finished third nearly won the title. And then the few years after that, when you come into the team, they're struggling pretty much all the time. Yeah. Like, so what was it that, that caused that? I think... Um, Personnel, I think did McAvenny. I think Frank Frank went to yep. to Celtic. Yeah, that's right. Um, Paul Goddard, decent player, great player. He was as well. I think it was like, Tony Cotty was on the verge of leaving. I think mm. there was a few. Ed Dev was injured and might be another year. Um, some senior players getting a little bit older as well. Um, but what we did, I've got some videos there that we still played some decent football. Mm. We didn't get the results, but some of the one one and two touch football. I mean, it was Newcastle. Um, and I've got a video my dad kept all my videos and I've only just started to look at them again all these years never watched them and some of the football the fans were just going absolutely mm. in awe of it but we got beat 2-0 but some of the football we played was brilliant breathtaking mm. so we were probably pleasing to the eye but weren't clear and cool enough to get the results in those in that, in that era I think yeah. weirdly that was one of my favourite times because as a, I was just kind of I guess I was 10 I think and I was just starting to you know, I loved West Ham so much and I didn't mind really if we won or lost. Yeah. Do you know, you just yeah. go for a stage, I just was happy to support West Ham. I used to come down to Clubhouse when you guys were training, down to the stadium when you guys were training, hang around that porter cabin the, yeah. outside uh, and get one of the um, merchandise lists. And when you guys came out, you used to, you'll remember me, of course. <laughs> you all used to sign it for me. Yeah. And like, that yeah. was yeah. one of my favourite times as yeah. a kid. I just remember how exciting it was to be around mm. West Ham. And, it, yeah, uh, obviously you could get in and yeah. you could, could, could even watch the training yeah. down there if you were obviously near the um, security. Nowadays, no chance. But no. that era, yeah, you were, yeah, you were a bit closer to to what what they are now. Yeah. And talk, let's talk about John Lyle, obviously, the legend that is John Lyle. Amazing. What was it like working with him? How did he bring you through? Oh, he was just incredible. I mean, I think everybody 
that's played under him for quite a, a few games, he had this aura about him. The respect, the knowledge, um, the man management. He could be firm, he could be soft, he could put your arm around you. But he had this aura and presence that when he came out on the training ground, like I think Slavin has got, that you th- you'd look for him up in the state if it's reserve or youth team or first team or try he just had that presence where you've got you've got to do it and it was just his management his nature his but his knowledge was second to none um i can remember alex ferguson speaking um about him you know obviously since he's passed away at his dinner and um this is the sort of man that alex ferguson thought he said that we met on holiday and um they they hit it off straight away so he was at Aberdeen, then he got the Man United job, and John Lyle would phone him up and say, Alex, what are you doing? This is not a Man United side. What are you doing? Why are you buying him? Why so-? And Alex Ferguson said, you know, no one spoke to me like that. Everyone <laughs> said, yeah, you're the greatest, you're, you're this, you're that. And he said, I knew he was a proper person. He said, because he, you know, when when he needed to be told that weren't right, he was yeah. the only one that was doing it. Mm-hmm. And his knowledge was great. He said, any time after that he wanted advice, he'd went to go to John Lyle. He held him in that high esteem. Right. And we all did, all the players that played for him. It just, his knowledge. He was like a Wenger in, mm. in the 70s and 80s. He tried to do the sports science then. Um, and probably got the wrong person, the lady, and guys that were in the 30s didn't really buy into it but the sports science in football nowadays is just Mm. uh, it's beyond belief now but he tried to instill that in the 70s and 80s and he was strong enough totally but it was probably the people that he had in at the time that you know weren't strong enough to to take some stick from senior Mm. players really but you know uh, I owe him a lot he gave me an opportunity um, and the style of football that he played was just great to play. And one and two touch flair play, exciting play. Oh, just miss him, and um, you know I owe him a lot for the career that I had. Yeah, in terms of the career you went on to have, you obviously came through the academy. So in your in in and around your year, you've got Paul Ince, Kevin Keane, Steve Potts. I mean, that's a good period of time yeah. for the academy yeah, coming totally. through. Alan Dickens, um, Georgie Paris. There was a conveyor belt, but I, th- I think um, at that time we just needed to produce players. We didn't have the money to buy players, so we needed to produce players. And maybe at the end, you know, we, we ended up selling them off, um, and that was the only way. Um, and that's how we survived, and that's probably why we were a little bit of a yo-yo side because you know, we we didn't have a lot of money. We had to to sell players to to keep surviving really at the time. But that conveyor belt. But I always believe that Tony Carr did a fantastic job. The scouting system, mm. Ronnie Gales, the Eddie Baileys at the time, the Mick McGivens and Ronnie, but they. They were really key to to that as well. Um, if it weren't for them, the you know we could have fell fell down the leaves quite comfortably. But they gave us an opportunity. Um, how do you know when you're good enough? Mm. They believed in your ability yeah. totally. But how do you know when someone's good enough? West Ham gave us the opportunity to see if we were, mm. and that was the great thing about playing for West Ham. That's why a lot of kids did go to West Ham at that because they were going to be given a chance. Mm. It's funny because with the academy, you you go on to like essentially be coaching with the academy too like under Tony Carter. I mean, you were there. You've got a hell of a time span. I mean, how much did things change from the, when you were coming up in the academy mm. to, to now? Yeah, it was, Tony Carr used to do it with a couple others, like I said Jimmy Friff, Ronnie Gale. Um, a few other Stamber, all these sort of people that did it for virtually nothing, but they wanted to be associated with the club. So every team that Tony Carr had, he had three or four lieutenants, but 
they did the 10s, they did the 11s, they did the 12s. Mm. They did it on their own. Seven days a week, six nights a week, they were six nights a week, seven days a week. They were just West Ham people. They wanted to do it for the good of the club. And the amount of talent that they brought through was incredible. Nowadays, I know Tony's got probably about, well, he's obviously an ambassador and Terry's taken over, but they've probably got 25, 30 staff now that are getting paid. Yeah. Um, it's such a multi million pound industry, even at the academy level, that we have to produce players now because obviously mm. you're spending millions of pounds and you need to produce players. But I spoke to Tony and I always speak to Tony Carr and he's great. And he was saying that in our era, we were throwing it 17, 18. The reasons being, I've explained, um, didn't have no money. Nowadays, we have got the money. These players are going to come in a little bit longer. Yeah. Are they going to be patient? You know, the Elliot Lees, the, the damn Dan Potts gone to Luton. Um, Robert Hall, I thought, was a decent player. He went to Bolton. Now is at Milton Keynes. Blair. Are they going to be patient? Because they might take a lot longer to come through. Not 17, 18. It might be 20, 21. Mm. Football's such a short career that these boys want to play. Um, so that's the big change, I, th- I feel. Um, having said that, we've got one boy that came in and made his debut at 16, Reece Oxford. Yeah. Mm. And... I saw him last year and I spoke to my son about him and I said, he's your age and he's double the size of my son. I said, yeah. he's going to play in the first team next year. Um, they've told me, Terry Wesley and Tony Carr have said, this boy's going to play next year. Yeah. Didn't think it was going to be as soon as the Arsenal. I thought it was going to be <laughs> late winning, on it. Yeah, winning and, and putting in a performance like he did, it was yep. light years above himself. Yeah. Um, so you're hoping that, I mean, physicality and mentally, he was good enough to do that and they threw him in. Was he going to... Oh, he sold for it. Brilliant. I mean, to play against world class, World Cup winning players and to dominate them, brilliant. And that's what you've got. You know, we, we've got to sort of achieve as well. Get that balance. Maybe to bring in two or three, that would be nice. And I'm, I know that the owners and Karen Brady would like to do that totally. Mm. So let's go back to your first start. So you started against Southampton. Yep. Clash of heads. Yep. What happened? <laughs> Russell Osman. Remember Russell Osman centre half? Yeah, I, I, I used to um I used to watch Ipswich and West Ham. I mean being um Suffolk and Essex boys, so I used to alternate it, but when I got tickets to go to West Ham I got to, but I used to watch Ipswich well. Russell Osman was the centre half and he was a tough cookie. And I made my debut at Southampton and uh, the ball went down the down the um the channel and it was only about five, ten minutes and he's gone with his elbow right into my ear straight away and he's gone to me welcome to the big league now so. oh, he actually said that <laughs> welcome oh to the big league he gave me and I'm like oh he knew I was going to make my debut because it was in the press would I wouldn't I yep. and young boy mate, Russell Osman was a senior player played so many times for England oh. but he and blood I've got a picture with blood coming out my ear yeah I saw that blood coming out your ear. ear it was one of them oh. where I've gone down there but his knowledge and experience and Know how, right? I'm going to show you uh, if you want to be. I don't work, know about his experience. Not, you know, that's brutality. <laughs> well, he could get away with it. I mean, those days. Did he get booked for it? I don't think he did. I, think oh, he could, I mean, we'll speak about to Julian. Julian Dix used to intimidate people left, right, and centre before yeah. they even came out. How many times would he be getting sent off yeah. nowadays? Um, yeah. But you could get away. There were some tough cookies out there yeah. that would say, "Right, welcome to the game. This is a tough game." Mm. You know, and it it's not as tough as what it used to be. You could get away with murder in yeah. those days yeah. and not get booked, even get booked. Well, you, you bring up Julian Dix. So in your debut, when you first, the uh, 87, 88 season, Julian Dix comes in. I mean, uh, what was it? He new kid on the scene. I think he'd come from Bristol, hadn't he? Or Birmingham. Birmingham, Birmingham yeah. He came from Birmingham, 
Poor dear. He was such well, a like, such who is such this a guy? Yeah. Great left foot, strong personality, and didn't say too much when he first came because he was a young lad. And, you know, we had Alvin Martins and Tony Gales, top pros that have been there for a long time, and um, mm. they were, you know, big personalities as well. But, uh, Julie, he didn't have to. He didn't have to say too much. He did it in training. He did it in the game. We knew what sort of character he had yeah. then. Mm. Um, but for me personally, he was just brilliant. When I did get moved to the wide areas, especially a wide left, Julian was great because he used to say to me, "You do all your stuff going forward." He said, "Don't bother tracking back too much. If you can, great." He said, "But if I can't deal with him one on one, he said I can't be a defender. I shouldn't be a defender." He said, "I'm going to smash him." He said, "If if they don't get <laughs> past me, yeah. if they get past me, he said I'm bringing them down." So he said, "You just say I'll give away free kicks, but." Generally, he didn't give away free kicks because he just his timing of the tackles and his ferocity and sort of intimidate the right winger straight away. And that's when I had my best spell playing wide left. I mean, mm. I thought I, I did quite well when I played through the middle, but when I played wide left with Julian Dix, because I had the energy to go forward because I didn't have to track back as much. Yeah. So I wasn't out of breath as much. So I had so much energy and to do my stuff. And then he would still come by me and. Uh, you know, I'd use his runs or I'd use him and he'd put de- decent deliveries. He's a brilliant play play with. Um, great character. What great was man. he like in training? Obviously, Billy Bond said he, was, he wasn't the best trainer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in those early days, was, did, was he good and did he let it kind of slip? It, 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 yeah, I mean, everyone knew after a year, season two years, that fans favourite, you knew you were going to get consistency out of him in, in a game. So, he didn't train great running-wise. I mean, yeah. I think that's where... and. Discipline-wise, he would just kick everybody, regardless yeah. who they were. Yeah. And um, I remember he tackled Mike Small once. Mike Small was a massive, big boy. And he just went through him and put him right up in the air. And Small is going, what are you doing? <laughs> and Dixie said, look, if I can't try like I play, he said, what's the point? I need to train like I play. Because obviously, if I just go half-heartedly in training, he said, I ain't going to be able to do it in a, in a game. This is the only way I can play. <laughs> And everyone, you know, when you play like that, when you play trying against him, you just got to get rid of the ball as quick as you can. Because <laughs> you know yeah. you're going to go up in the air, play one yeah. and two touch. And John Lyle was a great believer in me. He said, if you get, keep getting kicked, you're not sharp enough. So you've got to play quicker. Play yeah. one and two touch. Wow. So when tip. Julian used to be against, I used to try it, bang, get one. Because <laughs> <Yeah>, <laughs> otherwise I'd be up in the air. <laughs> um, 87, 88, we stay up. Um, but uh, Tony Cotty sold at the end and I guess this really becomes a period of West Ham establishing themselves as a bit of a selling club over the next few years I mean what, was it a gutting thing when Tony Cotty got sold you're like oh here we yeah, go yeah it was I think he got sold for 2 million but you guys probably weren't old enough were you yeah, that, that, yeah, when the bond, bond scheme yeah, yeah the yeah. bond scheme I mean, that, that too that, that was yeah that was a big um, big big problem with the board and, and the fans Um selling Tony Cotty at the time good player big big money where's that money going is that getting reinvested in the team no mm. probably didn't um, the bond scheme so it was a, a tough era um, after Tony going um, yeah we were a bit of a, a yo-yo side then we had a good mm. cup run but uh, you know there wasn't sort of the money wasn't put back into the club at the time and um, you know the fans were against the board I think obviously Lou, Lou McCurry came in after after John as well and he upset a few um, senior players the style of training the style of play yeah. that we wanted to play and then you know to 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 appease everyone we we bring Bill back and um, you know Bill was his hands were pretty tied with 
with money and bits and pieces like that, but he got the best out of us. The Knees of the Brown West Ham podcast is brought to you by aasport.com forward slash West Ham. Watford away this weekend, James. Yes. And if you were going to place a bet, you could get triple the odds. Well, Imagine it. I can't. <laughs> we always say the same thing. <laughs> Still, it's good. It's it is good. good. AASport.com forward slash West Ham. You go on there and you place your first bet and you get triple the odds. It's better than anywhere else, I imagine. Amazing scenes. Without researching it. I don't know. AASport.com forward slash West Ham. So the following season, 88-89, we go down, obviously. Like, like, as you just said, and you know, McAvenny's second spell... With a club, I mean, he, he he wasn't the same player, was he, when he came back for that second time? We didn't that, see know? the best of him because of Chris Kamara, really. I yeah, mean, obviously yeah, Chris of Kamara. I mean, he, he initially started the few games, and then, oh dear, it was a dreadful tackle, a real dreadful tackle. Um, you know, virtually finished Frank at the time. He was out for the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, he was got up when he left here, and he was got at Celtic. So, obviously, prior to him coming back, he wanted to come back. London, West Ham, great club. Plays a few games and gets smashed by Chris Kamara and he's out. And, um, yeah. you know, how, when you come back from a serious injury, you know, obviously an operation, you never, ever quite the same. And I feel, as a forward player, Frank was quite sharp. And I was, I felt I was quite quick and sharp. But if you have an operation or a serious injury, you lose a little bit of pace, a little bit, of, only a little bit of pace. But that is the difference between getting away from players. Yeah. Um, you might be able to trick somebody, but to get away from players... You know, that's where that little bit of speed and pace and sharpness goes away from you. And people say you're not the same player. But, you know, to come back from that operation, uh, or obviously that injury, to play again, it was a credit to him. But, yeah, we probably didn't see the best of him. Did you feel that season that where you were going down? Um, it was it was tough. It, it was tough. But everything <laughs> went, um, went, went against us. Um you know, we had some good players. Yeah. Some good players, and for whatever reason, we didn't perform that well. Um, loss of form, loss of confidence. You know, the, fan, the fans are the best, best in the in the wor- world, without a doubt. The, mm. the, it was still with the chicken run; it was still tight. But they soon let you know if you weren't putting it in. And I think yeah. there was quite a few players um, that, if things weren't going well, probably wouldn't want the ball as much as what they would if you're winning I mean mm. winning football breeds confidence yeah. so that's, it. that's easy But um, so I think playing at home I don't think we won many games at home as well um, mm. it, it it wasn't a very good season though, not at all and obviously John, John Lyle comes under a lot of pressure from the West Ham fans and, and some um, editor of, of Knees Mother Brown Graham describes it as a similar atmosphere to Big Sam towards the end where the fans were really kind of on the manager's back and like you know mm. after all John Lyle had done for the club I mean was there an element of the players that thought the fans you know were really almost against West Ham or like not giving the support they needed to give I think if if John hadn't he got through that period I think um, he would have been there for another 10 years 10 mm. without a doubt yeah I mean I think the um, obviously McAvenny injury I think Tony Cotty leaving I think um, senior players were getting a bit older younger players were coming through but John was great he wanted to protect the young players as well because sometimes mm. if things are not going well he'd like to dip the young players in and out so he was hands were a little bit tied with that he knew he had to rebuild the team again mm. and um, had he been given time which over the years and the amount of times that 
he, he managed the club. I felt that he deserved to get that, and it was it was a shock. Yeah. Um, because he had to sell the best players as well. Um, you know, um, he, he, you know, if you'd have spoke to every single player at that time, um, they would have said, stick with John. His knowledge, his experience, his management, management. Give him a little bit of time. He would have turned it around without a doubt. Mm-hmm. It's sad, isn't it? It's almost like the yeah, that's the kind of the end of old football for West Ham, really. Yep. Because obviously we go we start churning through managers quite quickly after that. Yeah, yep. yep. it's just a sort of a kind of sad era. Um, obviously, Lyle goes that summer of '89. In comes Lou Macari, a man who you say, you know, the training wasn't the best. Alan Devonshire said he would just train you to death, <laughs> regardless, you know, he didn't care, like, almost like the match on Saturday didn't matter. I mean, yeah. was that your experience? Uh, I was a young lad, and um, Lou, because he was up against it with Dev and Alvin and Tony Gale, and mm. there was some senior, and there was some strong characters, and they didn't want John to go. No one wanted John to go, no, but it's always difficult when the new manager comes in, but he had that up against him already and then when his training regimes I was quite lucky because I was young had I been in my 30s and the training that we got I remember going up to I'm sure somebody might have said this but we went up to Hull um, on a Friday and he said right guys um, we're going to go up in the morning no problem so we're going to train uh, we're going to travel up on Friday Friday morning and we'll just get up there so we think oh no training here okay he's relaxed a little bit so the training through the week's been pretty hard so we get up there, it takes four or five hours to get up there, and um, two o'clock, we're thinking, no, oh, we might go for just a nice little walk around the whole area, you know, where the hotel was. And all of a sudden he says, um, get your trainers on, boys. Oh. And we're going, we ain't got trainers, we've got a tracksuit, but they're not real trainers. He, so, okay, if you ain't got trainers, you're going to have to wear your moulds. Okay, so we're wearing our moulds. Where are we training? Oh, we're going for a run. What? Where are we going for a run? We're going for a run round. <laughs> Oh, round the hotel, oh, on the streets, God. on the cobbles and all that. And um, we're all looking at each other and we're going, what is this, Friday afternoon, we've got a game Saturday. And um, we end up doing sprints down this old housing estate down at the bottom. We do a run, oh, we do a 20-minute run, and then all we, we're doing 80 yards, 90 yards. <laughs> and I was I was just happy to be at the club to be and playing yeah. the first thing, so it didn't bother me at all. But looking back at it, when I look at Dev and Alvin and Tony Gale, whoever was there at the time, they must have thought, what was going on? Yeah. Mm. We didn't get the result on Saturday anyway, so yeah. we were all shattered. It Maybe it's probably, it's probably safer to keep on the running hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> keep running, running moving yeah. target. Yeah. Um, do you but, think it was the wrong appointment? Should, were the club obviously trying to get out of the kind of West Ham Academy and trying to get some new blood in, possibly, but it just wasn't the right appointment? Possibly. I mean, Lou McCarroll was brilliant for me. Um, I've got a lot of respect for Lou. Um, he did. He, he he was very kind, and he, and he did really look after me but um, it probably was the wrong appointment at the time um, Lou had been at Swindon I think he'd been somewhere else but his philosophy he was you know his training methods were totally different to maybe John Lyle's yep. and um, mm-hmm. possibly it needed somebody in between John and Lou I mean it went from one extreme to the you know and um, the there would have been some good candidates about and you know obviously he only lasted under a year and um, the pressure was too great and you know the peer pressure from the probably the the players um, fed back to the board Mm. which was disappointing for Lou really 
Yeah, but we do kind of owe Lou a little bit. We should give him a little bit of credit because he brings in Lou McCloskoe, yeah. Trevor Morley, Ian Bishop. Yeah. Good lads, Joe. Brilliant lads, great lads. Um, Ludo. Ludo, Ludo, Ludo. I mean, <laughs> I ended up rooming with Ludo and um, what he achieved at the club and what he's achieved in, in life is brilliant because when he first came, he had a translator. Um, it checked to English. And when I was in the... Um, yeah, obviously in the room and we'd had even a lunch and we but came the, back. the translator's in the hotel room with you no he, no, he had a book uh, sorry yeah, oh, we, right. we, we couldn't afford them at the, <laughs> but he was trying to pronounce the oh, word right. the oh, and right. he was going to me to and I'm like what the it's the the so our conversation was an absolute nightmare really. I mean I ended up but he was into his translator all the time every time that we went away and I roomed with him he you know so from not being able to pronounce the word the to, um, to his Cockney accent now I saw him last year and you know and to play f- I don't know three four hundred games for the club and be an absolute inspiration brilliant he was Trev and Ian Bishop brilliant players brilliant lads brilliant people um, you know Ian Bishop could well pass the ball better than anybody that I see now mm. um, didn't, you know, right bi- didn't, bi- didn't Bishop tell us that uh, when Ludo first signed they were just stuck together just in a bar yeah. getting smashed he, together he, he, he didn't speak, he didn't yeah. speak any English no, and they just right. sat there getting pissed <laughs> <laughs> Ludo's a big boy but yeah Bish yeah he was a great lad Bishop but what a player Trev was a good player as well both yeah. good players good yeah so Lou I mean I've always said Lou was brilliant for me and he brought some good players in as well. Yeah. And then Billy Bonds takes over from him, obviously. I mean, was that an appointment that all the players were really excited about? Like, they were. OK, we've got a bit of West Ham back here. Yeah, they were. Um, and they needed that. And I think, you know, once again, the uh, senior players, uh, obviously the, the feedback from them to, to the board, we need somebody that is going to bring back the West Ham way and days. And uh, Billy Bonds was the only person. He was the right man. And, oh dear, what a man. What, I still get yeah. goosebumps every time I see him. I mean, albeit he sold me. Um, <laughs> yeah, which, more on that Which, later. yeah, which, <laughs> you know, as I said, uh, but, oh, what a man, what a person, what aura. I've got so much respect for that fella, and I think everybody that's played with him or associated with him, he was just a man's man. He was just no fuss, no, such a humble person, but a good player. But, my goodness, can, could the fella run? Could the fella keep mm. fit? Could the fella, could the fella just be an inspiration to every single one of us oh, when we trained when we played and he didn't have to say much um, in team meetings though he did um, you just wanted to play for him yeah. you just wanted to play for that man I mean and play for the jersey and play for the fan but him especially the character and the, the you know what he, what he had achieved and uh, you know you just want to impress him and still do now yeah. you know even when I see him you know yeah. I said I saw him two weeks ago at the and He's still so fit, but every just everybody just wanted to come up to him and speak to him. And I'm like, I spent 10, 12 years with Bill, and you know, uh, it's great to just see him. Yeah, brilliant man, brilliant. A word on his longevity because obviously, you know, he played into what I think it was forty, I think, and you know, he played in the seventy-five cup final, and then again with with you. I mean, yeah, yeah. what a time period! I mean, that's just not going to happen. Oh, ne- well, never, Ryan Giggs, never happened again. But, no, it, it it's common knowledge about how he kept himself fit. I mean, you know, and he'd, he'd take a few cans home after a game on a Saturday and still have a few beers, so he'd enjoy himself that, but pr- private man with his family. But he would he would do... We used to do this road run to Chadwell Heath, um, or we'd go to Hainault as well. We'd run up to Hainault and do our run up there and run back. He 
he was just at 40, 41, 42. And you think you're quite a fit lad at 18, 19, and you think, okay, I'm giving this fella 20, 22, 23 years. I'm going to mm. keep up with him. Yeah. You know, especially some of the lads that I was 18, 19, we couldn't get nowhere near him. Yeah. You know, couldn't get nowhere near him. We're probably three, four minutes behind him on a 25, 30 minute run. Yeah. And that's mm. massive dif- distance. Yeah. So, how he kept himself fit, I don't know. I mean, he's just incredible man, incredible person. Yeah. So that eight, so that um, eighty nine uh, ninety season, we finished seventh. We don't get promotion, but of course with that uh, League Cup semi, that um, we've had a lot of questions on that particular game. Was it Oldham? Yes. The- yeah. Six nil Oldham. I Valentine. remember listening to both of those legs on the radio. February on the, the wireless. I think was it February, February the fourteenth. I think it was, and it was yeah. a rainy day. I can still see it in my mind, in my head, <sighs> and uh, it was on that plastic pitch. Yeah. And um, that plastic pitch was it. That, that's no excuse. We didn't perform on the day. Looking back, and as a fan, probably could we, you know, you got to die for the die for the cause. But they were so good on that, and we were so poor on the day. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just a nightmare. I can just imagine, uh, see the fans, they were leaving after the fourth and fifth goal. You know, they spent good money to go up there oh. after work and then to get so excited to be close to a final, a semi-final, and to lose it on that day, on that pitch. Oh, devastating it was. Absolutely devastating. Uh, Tesh DiCano says, which plastic pitch was worse to play on, Boundary Park or Kenilworth Road? I think they were all uh, QBR was as well. They were yeah. just all that. It was a concrete. So as soon as that ball hit, the floor it just bounced up so high again and we were not renowned as a footballing passing team but uh, you know when the ball did bounce you know we, it was difficult to control I mean we, we had some good technical it either run off or it bounced up in the air and physicality we probably didn't, didn't match those sort of teams at the yeah. time and remember in the, in the home leg where we won 3-0 and you said earlier you, we hit the bar a couple of times didn't we I was still I still believed we could win when we get three new up and we're hitting yeah. the bars, I was thinking we could win this. Uh, <laughs> that yeah. is the West Ham way. Yeah, Opt- it was... optimistic till the end. Billy, Billy, I remember Billy that that day. He just said, "You've got to go out there and put some pride back into that those fans that spent all that money." I remember it. He said, "They owe a performance. You've got to put in a performance. You know, whether you come here, you cut, you 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 you, you know, gets you. You've got to put in a, a performance, massive performance." He didn't have to say nothing really after. And we did, we did, but the game was lost the first game. And then the other semi-final we should obviously talk about is the Keith ha- Keith Hackett semi-final. Mm. Well, well, yeah. I mean, let, I mean, let's the ninety nine the nineteen ninety one season. We get promoted, of course. Like generally that season, quite a successful season, like you say, the FA Cup semi-final too. And then uh, Keith Hackett, mm, yeah, robbed. But the oh, quick uh, word on the on the atmosphere. Firstly, oh like, my that goodness. game. I think that atmosphere was probably the best atmosphere I've ever been involved. Mm. Um, to, to to get Gailey sent off after twenty five thirty minutes against a good Forest side at the time, yeah. they had Roy Keane. They were top top team. You handicap. We had a we had a go for about twenty. Well, we had a go for the whole sixty minutes, but we had a couple of opportunities. George hit the post. I hit the post as well. And we had a couple of little opportunities. Didn't go our way. Pitch was rubbish. Yeah. Absolutely mm. rubbish. So it didn't suit either style of football Forest or us but to, with that extra man and um, obviously we end up losing but that atmosphere to this day will live with me for the rest of my life I mean mm. it was goosebumps yeah. it was Billy Bonds clamping Blue Army Billy Bonds told shaking, us about that, shaking. Yeah. the actual stadium was shaking and obviously 
that they're f- Nottingham Forest players, they just couldn't believe it. They just what supporters, unbelievable yep. supporters. You know, even Brian Clough, I think it was it was just incredible. The a- actual atmosphere. We got we were three nil down, four nil down, and it was just Blearley Bonds, Clarenbrew Army, rocking the actual place. <sighs> it was just incredible. Did it fire you up as a player when you're hearing that? You're like, even oh, though you're four nil yeah, down, yeah. Like, That's what I said about. Yeah, West Ham fans, they can play such an important role. When I do my ambassador role at the club and I just said, you don't realise when you get behind the team, it gives you that buzz, real buzz, real buzz. Mm. And you can be that 12th man. People say about that 12th man, but rest assured, if you've got that buzz in that stadium, and that's obviously might talk about the Olympic Stadium, when the chicken run was there and you had that support, it was, oh, give me the ball, I want to show, I want to prove, yeah. I want to help mm. the fan, you know, I want to get this atmosphere going again. Brilliant. It's Can't a shame. Buy that. Yeah. We buy don't it. do it enough. We have snippets now. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few, there's like 10 minute spells, 15 minute spells yeah. where the atmosphere is properly buzzing. Pumping, yeah. Um, but not quite enough. No. Yeah. And that 91 season, obviously successful, promoted, but Olden come back again and steal the trophy off us. We were so close to winning the league. <laughs> I, I can remember it to this day. Um, we played Notts County. I think we got yep. beat 2-0. We only needed a point or win the game. Yeah. And um, disappointingly lost it. But we're going up. We're going up to the directs, director's box and we've been told that we've won, won the league. Yeah. We've won the league. We get up to the director's box and we obviously fans are on the pitch and we're sort of half celebrating because the performance weren't great, but we lost the game. But we've been told that we're champions. And all of a sudden we're up there and within about 30 seconds of being up there, obviously they've said that uh, Oldham, Oldham won the game. Yeah. I was and on the pitch. Oldham have won the game and we're like, oh my goodness, oh. you know. I was on the pitch t- and I thought, in my because I was only young, I remember the, the announcer said it. Yeah. And I thought he was joking. Yeah. <laughs> what would you have thought? I, I, don't know, I, just, I don't know why in my head. I just thought, he must be joking. Yeah, must We've won joking. this. But it was, I think they need, did they need to win 2-0 or 1-0? I don't know, mm. but it was either drawing or it was 1-0 and they needed another goal to get, I, I don't know, but it was a last minute goal and it, some one of your viewers might be able to tell us, but it, they scored in the 88th, 89th minute. Had they not scored that, we would have won the, the league with even without the, um, obviously getting beat. But, you know that was a disappointing thing because you would have got a winner's medal. Yeah, you know we, oh. we got nothing for that. Yeah, and when you look back on your career, what medals you've got that determines what sort of career you've had. Yeah, I played in six semi-finals. Yeah, lost, oh. lost all six semi-finals. Oh. You know, that, that whole six period. semi-finals. We're not that taking you to the blogging awards. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's funny that whole period, like from '86 through to you leaving, it's just like so close to glory all the it, time. It really yeah. was. So many flashpoints, so many moments where you're like, yep. just that close, like yep. a decision. Like, and also, Keith Hackett, also and, think about yep. a team like Oldham. Oh, yeah. I mean, what they, what you know, what they, no one is on a podcast talking about that season with an old man now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair, is it? You look at Oldham. I mean, that pitch did help them massively <laughs> that year, and um, you know, yeah. Oh. Thank goodness the um, plastic pitch is not around at the minute. You yeah. know that that state pitches, but yeah, we, we were just such. I mean, it was so interesting being a West Ham fan because you always had something either going on towards the last game, either relegation, promotion, or cup final Terrible, experience. Right? Maybe it you is, know, it kept right. you on that the That is why it's brilliant. Yeah, you know, yeah. this run at the it minute is another. Yeah. Another, it's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. then the next scene could be another five losses. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, speaking of losses and tragedy, no, I mean, 91, 92, your final season at the club, we end up finishing bottom. I mean, uh, yeah. disappointing. <sighs> I'm really disappointed. I mean, I this people say about you probably underachieved in your career, and I would agree with them. But 
at the time I was just going through my first sort of injury problems, my Achilles problems, and that was the last year at West Ham. Mm. I used to run on my toes, I used to have quick feet, and I had high arches. So um, that last year I had injections in my Achilles, um, obviously I had an MRI scan um, as well, and the the um, cortisones probably fixed it for about six weeks and then they referred back. Obviously, that was the thing in those days, quarter zones. Um, so I, I didn't play particularly well that season either. I mean, you know, there was a lot of hype on me. Um, but I had already been offered a four-year contract by the club. Um, and I wanted to sign. Liam Brady was my agent uh, wait, at the time. I was going to ask about that. Because Le- yeah. Liam Brady, another player as uh, your manager, no, as your agent. He could get away with that. I mean, Liam Brady, he was brilliant. Um, oh, once again, I've got the utmost respect for Liam Brady as a person and as a father figure to me at the time. Mm. When he came up to West Ham, he was a big, big name in football. Yeah. And for him to share his experiences with us, I was a young lad, we all looked up to him, and he was just a magician even at 31, 32. But um, I ended up training with him and playing in the first team, and he's so he's looked at me and he's gone over three months, four months, you're the best player in the, in the side. I said, yeah, oh, no, no. He said, no, mm. you are. He said, what are you on? He asked me what I was on. And I said, oh, about 140 quid a week. He said, what, 140? He said, you've got some boys on here, thousands of pounds a week. He said, you've got to be paid, not equivalent, but more than what you're getting. Mm. I'm like, no, no, it's all right. I'm just happy to play. Yeah. I said, it's not really about the money at all. Um, he said, no, I'm going to go in for you. I'm going to go and get a better deal for you because I ain't having this. And he was such a strong, powerful figure. Mm. He went in and got me a great deal. I mean, not obviously, but fantastic. But he didn't charge me. And I thought, oh, dear, the respect and the yeah. for somebody to do that and the career that he had. So anyway, he did that, didn't charge. So when he retired, he said to me, he said, right, okay, I'm going to look after you properly now. He said, I've got big things for you. He said, you're going to have the career that I had because obviously I've been with you for three years. He said, you're going to be up there massively. Um so anyway a year passed West Ham offered a four year deal on me and um, he put me his best mate was uh, a guy called Finn and Jury he was going to look after me because he got the Celtic job Liam did so he couldn't do it then that, yeah. uh, so anyway West Ham came and spoke to me four year so I had my pen in my hand and I was about to sign it and his mate Finn and Jury said no no don't sign don't sign don't be too I said this is my club I want to sign I said, fantastic money. It's not about them, but fantastic. He said, no, no, don't. He said, don't be too, you know, be patient. He said, they'll come back with a bit more. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, it's nice not to be too keen because I said, oh, okay, cool. But I want to sign it. I want to sign it. So weeks had passed and I phoned him up. I said, uh, any news? He said, no, not really. I said, well, when are we going to make a decision sort of thing? And he said, well, they'll come back in the next few months. So a few months went by, didn't happen. And all of a sudden, I got this feeling what my form had dropped a little bit as well. And um, so he was sort of not telling the truth. West Ham thought I didn't want to sign. So they're saying, oh, we've offered you this money. It's fantastic. You know, you either sign it, you don't. They were starting to say, well, if you ain't signing it, we'll draw it. And and, um, I didn't realise, I said at the time, um, um, Billy was the manager. Harry came in and um, I still hadn't signed. Um, and all I wanted to do was sign and uh, Harry came in this is the first year that he came in and said to me he said uh, you know 
sign the contract sign you know when you, uh, the reason I've come here to work with you um, obviously he said I swear on my kids life is to work with players like you Billy's brought me in he said I've been at Bournemouth and he said I want to play and get you back in the England squad you've been in the B's 21's bits and pieces like that he said you know I really really want to work with you and get you there so I thought oh he picked me up a little bit this pre-season and um, I thought that was a big big thing for him to say that Billy'd always said I wouldn't sell you and uh so anyway, I thought went home. A couple of days later, I thought, oh dear, really, really looking forward to that. Hopefully, I'm going to sign a contract. Decided uh, Billy and obviously Harry both had said, get rid of him. Billy oh. Harry's told him get rid of him. Oh. So uh, I got railroaded. My agent obviously didn't want me to sign because they want me to railroad to go to Scotland. So Billy yeah. phoned me up and just said, we've had a decision with Harry. We, we, we're deciding to sell you. You can go and speak to sell if you want. Oh. And I was gutted. So I went on Wednesday. I didn't sign until Friday lunchtime, two days, I didn't want to sign. Liam pulled me, and because English clubs weren't into in Europe at the time, Scottish clubs were in Europe, yep. so he said, look, you can play in Europe, and you can be a big player. Here's a big... T-. And Celtic were a massive side at the mm-hmm. time, Rangers, and still are. Um, but I didn't want to go. Um, it was 5 to 12, and he said, I've got five minutes, you've got to sign. You owe me, he said, and you can make it career he said but I've got five minutes before the deadline for the European people to sign so I eventually signed and it wasn't what I wanted I flew back home and I cried the whole way flew back home and my dad was going to cancel it and to this day my dad was going to phone up Liam Brady and say that you know he doesn't want to go his heart's will and I said dad I can't I've signed it I'm gutted that I have I've got to go for it I said Mm. that sort of person but that's how much I wanted to but Harry sort of killed me a little bit as well and I thought I was going to sign my agent didn't help but I owed Liam a lot and uh, you know it just transpired that I didn't didn't sign and went to sell it and that you know I don't have I don't like looking back but that was a massive regret if I had one but you know I, I play for a big club in Scotland and my son was born up in Scotland. Yeah. I met mean, mm. ex wife. <laughs> so there was pros and cons, but yeah, I mean, I could never, f- ever imagine me leaving West Ham, and uh, you know, uh, I was gutted. You know, to, yeah. mm. and to this day. Yeah, I was gonna say like, so like, nine, I got into West Ham '92. Like, well, I was nine years old, so you can do the maths at home. But like, uh, he's now forty-seven. Stuart- <laughs> Stuart Slater was this name who's like this, there was this great player but he's not here anymore and it made, Stuart Slater in my mind was always like an exotic fruit like, <laughs> it was like a, an exotic foreign player or something like that it's, it's funny because my uncles and everyone used to talk so fondly of you and like whipping down the wing he was like oh we don't really have anyone like him anymore but it's still good it's funny I, I went to Scotland um, and went to Celtic for a year year and a half and the club once again another club that was in financial difficulties got rid of me in 15, 16 months yeah. once again my Achilles flared up I missed part of the season um, and I then left Liam and Fenton Jury um, and went on my own agent wise and my brother-in-law helped me and we made a phone call back to Harry Rennam at the time a year and a half down the line seeing if West Ham would take me back because obviously I said I made a mistake mm. and um, I think Harry's response was if we keep signing next players we'll be signing bringing Trevor Brooking back in. <laughs> so I didn't I, I thought oh, I took that as, he, as if he didn't really want me <laughs> <laughs> to fan. so it was I funny ended up, I ended up going back to Ipswich with John yeah with John Lyle so we're going to say so you know you're at West Ham then you go up to Celtic and Liam Brady and then you know down to uh, Ipswich John Lyle we had a question from Neil Fairchild you played under Brady at Celtic Lyle at Ipswich did you have a policy of only playing under ex-hammers uh. <laughs> seems like it doesn't yeah. it but um 
<clears throat> I think my my decisions were made for me by other mm. pe- by other yeah. people. Mm. I mean, I know that um, <sighs> obviously with Liam Brady, I, I had no idea that was going to go to Celtic because I wanted to sign for West Ham, mm. but having not signed for West Ham in their eyes they, they thought I wanted to move and I'm waiting for my agent to say well what's happening which didn't happen so I put my trust in him the Celtic thing to Ipswich I was prepared for a game um, in the UEFA Cup for Celtic and um, because I was classed as a foreigner they only had three foreign rules up there at the time um, Packy Bonner played Tony Mowbray played and Andy Payton so we they were the three foreigners so I got left out all completely that night so that night I got pulled in by Liam before the game and he said uh, I thought it was the reason why I weren't playing and he told me he said uh, I'm, I'm selling you tonight he said John Lyle was up here and Charlie Woods from Ipswich you can talk to him after the game and I'm wow. like what? <laughs> what? Yeah. I'm preparing for a game and you've got John Lyle and Charlie Woods up here yeah. from Ipswich you've sold me and I'm this first thing I've known oh my goodness and that decision was made for me yes I had to make the ultimate decision yeah. but um you know, I spoke to John afterwards, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And in that time, by the time I flew down Thursday morning after the Wednesday night game, Chelsea came in for me, and um, a couple other clubs had come in for me. And uh, once again, I just knew what John was about. Liam yeah. was trying to protect me, saying, go back with John, try and get your career back on track, because it has, hasn't worked here for I don't know what reason. It's what he said, he said, John will get you get the best out of you. But I knew at that time... My career was going downhill because of the injuries, and mm. uh, people don't realise the injuries play a massive part. But both decisions, both teams, to answer that question was taken out my hands at the start. Yeah. Initially, initially, we've got some questions from the forum too, James. Uh, right, E seventeen says, "Was that goal against Everton the best you ever scored?" Probably the uh, most famous one because it was on Sky on the Monday night. That was the only uh, game on Sky, and that was when Sky were just getting bit so that was the only game that was on Monday and Everton were top side in those days Yeah. so when I scored the winning goal Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday I was back page of the sun inside the sun all, all week uh. so it wasn't an important goal but for my career my everybody started to know about me but I remember scoring a good goal against Sunderland yeah, Chalk said the goal you scored it didn't touch the floor from when yep. Ludo drop kicked That's it the one, Sunderland. and you took it down crash a volley in the top corner was that your favourite ever goal it's still in my top 10 West Ham goals Sunderland yep that was Ludo McCloska it might have even been Parks he Phil Parks it was when the um, you were allowed to pick the ball up when you passed it back yeah. I think Alvin or Tony passed the ball back Phil's kicked it he's hit it long Eamon Dolan's flicked it on I've chested it and volleyed without touching it Route 1 not West Ham Claret <laughs> uh, Dave says have you still got a house with the crossed hammers built into the front I door? go by it all the time but unfortunately I had to sell it when I got divorced <laughs> <laughs> but I still go by it still got the hammers in yeah gutted uh, hammers yeah uh, my dad was a bricklayer oh wow yeah put the hammers in Royce is my favourite tweet he says uh, in our household it's still see, uh, the word see you later is still followed by Stuart Slater <laughs> see ya. did you get a lot yeah. of that <laughs> Are you, no there's only a couple um, <laughs> Couple, yeah. I mean, I, I bet yourself to and Ipswich fans don't say that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They they didn't see the best of me, really. Uh, the guy Graham who runs his web, web runs his damn website says uh, your eleven thousand keep ups record. Yeah, is that still a record? I still do a lot of keepy uppies right. um, to this day. Um, I incorporate a skill session that I do 
um, since I've retired, since I retired, or since my injuries retired me, I'm a, I can do a skill session, which it's sort of mastery of the ball. And I'm a great believer that your touch, your first touch, gives you so much time. I mean, you look at time in 100 metres um, when Usain Bolt beats his next person, maybe 0.2. Yeah. two of a second how the big distance that is massive dis- so if you've got an unbelievable touch that 0.2 in football is probably a couple of yards yeah. so if your touch is so good it's going to give you that extra extra 0.2 of a second where you can get a shot away or can get away from and my skill sessions and I'm a great believer in that you know mastery of the ball mm. and I still yeah still demonstrate um, to this day um, you know keeping the ball up um, it you know, running with the ball, figure of eight, running with the ball, keeping the ball up, in and out of cones, keeping it up. Just, uh, but it's balanced, pro perception, skillful players. Yeah. You know, it's all, all to do with thousands of touches on the ball. And that's the West End way. And so tell us about what you do now. You're at Chelmsford, right? Yeah, I'm at um, Chelmsford City and we, FC, we do the academy there with Chelmsford College. They pay my money, Chelmsford College. But um, it's for players that have not made the grade properly or not even been in the academy but still continue maybe with their football with some sort of academics so like a BTEC that will give you UCAS points to go to university so when they finish school they've got an element of playing football an element of um, doing theory and uh, we've been doing it for four or five years now and we've been quite successful that we've had players that have not been in the academy system where they've trained day in day out with us we've re- realised the potential made a few phone calls um, got people to come and watch play these boys and um, got pro contracts at Brighton, Brentford. Right. We've, we've had 12 boys that represent the first team at Chelmsford City first team, which is Conference South, sixth tier. So there is a progression and there's an exit route from that, you know, providing you're half decent. Yeah. And with the training and the expertise that we've got, we've, I've got a, a good friend of mine, Kurt Game, who's an A licence. He played under Bobby Moore at Southend and Colchester. Yeah. Very good. We've got another coach, Dean Dean Hardin now, who's just joined us. We had Richard Johnson, who was at Premier League at Watford with me. We've got Dave Cornwall, A licence. So we've got real good pedigree and understanding of football and youth development, really, how to, to produce players. And, um, you know, having been at the academy at West Ham, prior to that you know it gave me a good insight of you know how West Ham produced players as well right yeah good stuff well we should move on and bring right up to date and talk about Watford yep this Saturday you know <sighs> it's big Stuart yeah I'm going to that game oh yeah, yeah. I've, got, I've got obviously Watford um, I played for Watford um, at the end but I couldn't get West Ham tickets I wanted West Ham in but I've got a couple of <laughs> oh, contacts at, at Watford so yeah I'm, yeah I'm that excited I'm going to yeah the game yeah, yeah I'm, I'm in with Watford end as well I'm in with uh, yeah, my yeah. girlfriend's dad's a Watford fan so with me and him are going to sit there you've in the got West... a girlfriend <laughs> in, the, <laughs> uh, in the West Ham end or the no, Watford, the Watford end, end. Oh, the Watford yeah I mean yeah one the cover f- as well there might be a few I see yeah West Ham quite a little wink as we all were the Watford fans are not too bad I mean, I've lived in that area for a long time. That was yeah. my last club and lived it. You know, they, I think they'll appreciate the way West Ham are trying to play. Mm. I mean, obviously they want to turn us over, but, you know, I'm looking forward. I'm really excited already talking about it now. What do you reckon yeah. the score? Watford, they've done really well. They've done really well. They were a very well-organised side. I, th- I saw the game um, on TV against Arsenal and for 45 minutes, Arsenal found it very difficult to break them down. I mean, it wasn't until sort of halfway into the second half that they broke them down and got the goals but so you know we've got to be patient 
it's not gimme I mean obviously but uh, away form 13 out of 15 points my goodness if we don't get the three points it'll be here what's happened we've got a crisis (laughs) it's funny though isn't it because I mean when we drop points it's not against the good teams Yeah. you know when we're losing at home to Bournemouth and Leicester you you think Watford away like bloody hell this is one we could could slip up on it's a weird one isn't it tricky yeah I think uh, I think if we approach the game right I'm sure Slevin will um Organise them right. Um, there'll be opportunities for us to, and we've just got to take the opportunities. I mean, big thing when you're coach, you know, can you be well, do well in your in your final third and in in their final third? It's about the the final thirds, really. Mm. Can you take chances and can you stop those opportunities? Do you think we're going to do it? I can't ever see us losing again. I like to think we're so full of confidence. I like to think it will just be too much for them. It'll be a hell of a fight, I think. Yeah. But I yeah. think it'll just be too much for them. I, mean, I, I, reckon, I reckon a 2 1. 2 1 West Ham. It's easy to get carried away, but if we win, I, I can see us winning the league. <laughs> carried away did you say yeah. what do you say after oh, this yeah. after the match on Saturday this league is too easy can we enter another one yeah. I've, uh, I've put us in for La Liga oh, yeah. <laughs> on a serious night I mean as I said what Bilic has done so far has been magnificent um, and obviously the staff and the playing um, more than probably what we've expected already um, yeah. even if we go through the season now and that's not being a, a down mm. but um, you know the, the season to to win at the teams that we've and um, to beat Chelsea. Oh, there's it's great. You know, yeah. Yeah. don't want don't, don't want. <laughs> we, of course, we want success, but yeah. um, you know, just we just we just got to be keep the lid on it a little bit. Though we want to be excited and yeah. and uh, do well. Um, yeah. We don't want to put too much. We don't want to put too much pressure on him. Yeah, that's the that's the word that I'm looking. We don't want to put too much pressure on him and be disappointed if we are. Yeah. I mean, that is being a West Ham fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they've done a great job so far and may it continue. Yeah, we should say as well. You're an, obviously you're an ambassador for the club and you do hospitality things on match days. How do you feel the atmosphere's changed between Big Sam and Slab? Like obviously being in there amongst the fans. I mean, yeah. it's palpable, isn't it? Well, Dare I say it? I mean, obviously they're getting value for money nowadays. Yeah, they're seeing attacking football. Whereas Sam, brilliant, got results. That is, you know, that that what he did for us was what we needed at the time. Mm. We needed a bit of stability, and we needed somebody that knew. Brilliant manager, brilliant for that. Mm. But Slavin's taken it on a little bit more. If we, if we get beat three, three, four, four, three, or what, you know, the fans sometimes would like that. Mm. Not, not all the time, but because they're getting value for money and exciting football, you know, I think that's what Slaven brings and will bring. He knows the way. He knows it is about winning football. There are pressures on it now that you, you need to be quite successful to to keep the money coming in and to to be up there. But uh, you know, he's he's got a brand where it's about attacking football as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Excellent. All right, then. Stuart, thank you very much for joining well, us. We should very no quickly problem. ask, because I know we've run out of time and we've run out of tape. But uh, favourite bowling <laughs> memory? Favourite bowling memory? Yeah, before we go. Ooh, for me or for it to... For you. For, you. for me, it would probably be the quarterfinal of the FA Cup um, to, to win 2-1 and then to be carried aloft um, after that game. Uh, yeah, that would be... What people recognise me, and I probably recognise me with being at West Ham. Yeah, that was a great moment. Yeah, 
Well, moment. Well, moment. Great times. Well, Stuart, thank yeah. you so much yeah, for all those so memories. No, no, you're welcome, guys. Uh, for your time tonight. You're on Twitter, right? But I noticed your Twitter account is relatively inactive, shall we say, <laughs> since 2013. <laughs> yeah, maybe because my ex <laughs> well, I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> possibly, uh, yeah, dog. No. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I obviously want to wish Stevie Bacon all the way. I mean, yes, that's yeah, my last yeah. tweet. Just I've come yeah, back yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. I do look at the tweets, and um, Stevie Bacon was an absolute amazing character at the club yeah. and a photographer. And you know, we wish him well, really, now. And um, I know that he's got a dinner coming up next year, so hopefully, yeah. West Ham supporters will um, support that yeah. like they do. And you know, Stevie yeah. Bacon yeah. and Ken Dyer. Actually, yeah. who's been reporting? Yeah, uh, he's here as well. So good luck, Ken. Yeah, proper West End people. Yeah, excellent. And as are you, Stuart. Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll speak to you after the Watford game. Yes, football blogging awards. Get on it. Vote. <laughs> In the meantime, go on, you on. Brilliant. Thank Um, the podcast is over now there's a little bonus bit at the end where we remind you what a again. Bonus. we just thought let's remind them again football blogging awards we're up against Arsenal Palace I mean all the teams some you women. hate there are some women there's we're some women as well women. I mean so it's the web, it's right. a, needs that rather around the website and the podcast footballbloggingawards.co.uk really quick to vote or you can vote on uh, Twitter I will tweet a link and you just click on that and, and vote yeah, or just go on the website and vote yourself. Vote yourself. Really simple, easy to do, and you know we can prevent more silverware going to the scum that we're in. We're up horrible against. scumbags, and we're going up as well. So just do us a little favour, little wanting a minute for Balling Blogging Awards, and vote for us. That'd be nice. Thank you. Thank you. Good Come night. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Bye.